0: And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage
1: herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am doing good. Lots of sunshine today. I'm excited about our topic.
0: <laughs> Which is what I call Autism Doesn't Run on a Schedule. Yes. Now, Stacey, would you, Claire, would you care to Claire... Would you care to <laughs> clarify? Clarify, yeah. I'm I'm mixing words together. What exactly we mean?
1: So the topic came in mind when I was uh, I kept talking with uh parents during coaching sessions and the whole schedule thing, right? Like we hear, visual schedule, schedule, autistic folks need a schedule, they need a routine, they need a routine, they need schedules. But at the same time, life is not always a guaranteed schedule, and sometimes um, life gets in the way. But also, thinking in terms of the schedule, right, of a child does something week one, week two, week three, such as maybe respond verbally on week four, they're not able to, right? But in the adult's mind, well... I mean, they should be able to do it, right? This should be the schedule. I asked them this, they should be able to answer it. So I think that there is some discrepancy or there needs to be clarity around routines and schedules and how um, sometimes we plan to go somewhere and we have done all of the visual schedules and the sensory regulation and the planning and prepping and the social story and your autistic kiddo is just not able to do and go like sometimes it happens, right? Yes. No. Do you plan? Yeah, plan? no, it, Exactly.
0: It- which is why I want to talk about because mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to my mind is this almost oxymoron mm-hmm. or oxymoronic nature of this, where with autistic kiddos, you really need schedule and structure because autistic people like things planned out for them. Mm-hmm. They like things. I, I hate saying we they, because it's really we, but we like having things set up where we know what's going to happen. We know when mm-hmm. it's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. Yes. But same time, autism does have a disabling aspect to it. It is a disability. So stuff happens. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes we just run out of gas. Sometimes we have meltdowns and that throws mm-hmm. everything out of whack yes. and can make planning stuff long-term very difficult. So it's almost like you have to plan with flexibility, which is, yes, it can be very difficult.
1: Yes, it can be. And, you know, I think it is, I also think of like the routines around, well, every wednesday we have speech therapy and you know oh my gosh he's regressing my child won't go to speech therapy i'm like maybe last week just wasn't a good week for them to go right maybe they did a lot of masking in school and they're tired on wednesday um i think that sometimes um we as parents um, but specifically parents who are told autistic kiddos need routines, routines routines they kind of get stuck in rigid, rigidness of, they can't ever miss something, right? That's on the schedule. And it's okay to take a break from therapy if they just can't get it together to go, or they just say they don't want to go. Sometimes they're advocating for, I just need a break, especially when you think of how many years, months, days, therapy, 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 it's exhausting. I don't think that People realize how exhausting therapy is for kids. I always gave my students um, brain breaks. Uh, So we would have like a two or three week brain break after working for six months and then come back and they don't lose anything. People think, well, they're going to lose it. That's what the the therapists who are trying to make money say. They're going to lose all their skills. So you're telling me that you taught them skills and you can't guarantee that they're going to keep them if they don't come to you for two weeks. That's just like. That makes no sense to me. Does that make sense to you or am I just not reading that right?
0: To be fair, I agree with you with the with therapist thing. To be fair, skills are only useful to keep doing it. Otherwise, you do regress. Mm-hmm. Two weeks, generally, isn't enough time to regress from something that you have, if not a mastery of, but at least decent proficiency in. However, if you do something for a week and you don't do it for two weeks, you're going to lose it. But they often do use that as an excuse just because they want to make money and they believe that like you have to constantly be in therapy, stuff like that.
1: Yes. Um, but but even the- if, and I'm so sorry, Torian, I just want to point out two words. You may not be familiar with these words, but these are words we see on the IEP in terms of regression recoupment. Um, that's why kids have that school year, extended school year in the summer. So I think that what I'd like for the listeners to just, I wanted to point out was, there's nothing wrong re- with regressing and then recouping something. Sometimes kids are developing so many things they have to push stuff to the side, like potty training to work on speech, right? I can't do both and, and build both skills at the same intensity level. So even if kids do have regression, regress regression, my goodness. This is
0: gonna be a fun episode. We just can't yeah, talk today. Can't talk
1: today. Um, even if they do have regression and they have to do a recoupment of two or three days, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, think of us as adults, right? Like there are, um, if I think of activities that I've done when I was in college and I haven't done them in a while and then I start doing them again, I have to sort of refresh myself, right? Because I haven't cooked that meal or baked that cake in a while. It does not that I'm, anyway, I just don't think it's that big of a deal even if kids do regress.
0: Well, I think the fear is, because mm-hmm. when children regress on something, it's not like when adults regress on something. Mm-hmm. When adults regress on something, especially if it's something that they know how to do, yes, they still have some competency in the task, mm-hmm. even if they haven't done it in a while. With children, just because they haven't been alive that long, there's really nothing that they're that good at. If you're talking mm-hmm. about a six-year-old, there's nothing a six-year-old is that good at because they're six you don't have the time to become good at something when you're six years old like really good at something so when they regress they're often starting again at square one or close to square one and that can seem frustrating for a parent that wants to get their kid to move forward especially Mm -hmm. through an education system like we have in america and Mm -hmm. the uk and some of the other western countries that's based off this sort of linear progression yes it sucks because that's kind of not how people learn. That's not how people yeah. progress in real life. It tends to be a graph goes up and down and hopefully trends upward. But mm-hmm. in school, it's linear. We expect exactly. a straight line of yeah. point A to point B, which isn't how kids learn. That's really not how autistic people learn. Yeah. So I think that's the fear. It's getting them to be able to keep up with their peers and keep up Mm -hmm. in the education system, it's not really tailored towards neurodivergent individuals. Yes,
1: exactly. The other part is, if we think about, you know, autism is not a schedule, there is no schedule around you developing IEP goals. And just because the IEP says they have to master it in 12 weeks, there's no guarantee they'll master it in 12 weeks, maybe they need to master it in 16 weeks, maybe it's not time to work on that skill. I think that the the schedule sometimes that we, <laughs> when I say we, I'm thinking teachers and therapists and parents, right? We have this idea of, you know what? A perfect example, Torin, is potty training. Parents have so much pressure on getting their kids potty trained before they go to school. They can't go if they're not potty trained. They can't go if they're not potty trained. And so there is no, there is no schedule for potty training. You're either ready to potty train or you're not. Sorry, you're either ready to potty train or you're not. It's really that simple.
0: Well, the problem is you're under the gun because you want your kids to start school on time. Yes. Because they start school late, even though they're still learning the same stuff they then are behind the other kids, they're older than the other kids, they feel as they get older, they're going to feel dumber than the other kids. Mm. because Everybody else is younger than them. All the people their age are in a more advanced class. It's the way education system works. It's to sort of keep moving, keep moving, even if you're not ready, keep moving. So I understand the fear. And one of the things I grapple with this topic is that even though autism and neuro, and being neurodivergent and having various neurological disorders doesn't run on a schedule, you can't predict it. There isn't a straight line upward. It's very, it undulates quite a bit. It goes yes. up and down quite a bit. The world itself, expects it linear. And I don't yes. know how to square those two. For example, like, I was just thinking about this today for whatever reason, when I started college, as a freshman, I was struggling a little bit, a lot of freshmen struggled. And what one of my professors said is, take less classes. They want you to take a certain amount of credits. They want us to take 15 credits, which is roughly five classes a semester. But like take four or take three. He said, it's better to, he said, I'm trying to remember the phrase. He's. It's better to succeed slowly than fail quickly. Yes, I agree. Except, here's the problem with that. There, in my case, there was two, one. I was reliant on financial aid, so you had to take four classes or 12 credits. They wanted you to take 15. You had to take a minimum of 12 or or you lost your financial aid and you couldn't dorm on campus. This Mm -hmm. is a problem because I went to school away. I went to school about 600 miles away from home. Commuting was not going to be an option. I had to live on campus, meaning there was a certain amount of credits I had to take. On top of that, I was on what's known as Pell Grant, which is a grant the government gives poor people Mm -hmm. to to help them go to college. And they only give you that grant for eight semesters or four years. They expect it to take you four years to graduate. So if it takes you longer than four years, you are out of luck. So even though autism doesn't run on a schedule, my autism doesn't run on a schedule, the world around me does. And the things enabling me to go to school in that case did.
1: Which is a problem because what we're what I'm seeing is young adults are finishing on that schedule that the university and the financial aid or the grant or the um, scholarships have demanded, but then they're so mentally exhausted and just out of sorts they can't even get a job because they're tapped out because they were running on the schedule that the neurotypical Well, according
0: to the boomers, according according to the boomers, that's our fault for being lazy. Even though when the boomers went to school in this Uh, case, not only was it a fraction of the price, but there was less BS classes they had to take. Because colleges do is they load up with a bunch of useless classes to get you to be there longer and pay them more money. They basically make it so you can't graduate in four years and then penalize you for not being able to do so. That's just an example. This isn't all about college, but it's an example of how even after school, Mm -hmm. after grade school, after secondary school, the world expects a certain pace and mm-hmm. autistic people often struggle to keep up. And what, I want, what I've want, i been grappling with lately is, yes, we're trying to change the world, but it is a very uphill battle. The world works the way it does, especially in the West where we have this puritan idea that work is good, work for the sake of work is the point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have to repair people, you can't just say, oh, well, they're they're neurotyp their neurodivergent. The world is not made for them. Yes, no shit. What mm-hmm. do we do now? Because yes. the world isn't gonna change overnight. We're working to change it, but we're fighting deeply held beliefs. They're part in American culture, the idea of work, 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 work is so ingrained in our very culture that if we took that away from some people, they would like go canatonic. They would literally mm-hmm. have psychotic breakdowns mm-hmm. because their whole identity in particular with like conservatives, their whole identity is wrapped around the idea that they work hard and if they work hard, good things will happen. Yes. So we need, there needs to be some sort of preparing autistic children for the quote unquote real world where they're expected to run on a schedule. I just don't know how to reconcile those two things.
1: Okay, I can, I don't think there is a reconciling. That's like saying that someone in a wheelchair has to work, has to figure out how to get to their class on the second floor and there's no elevator. Like, um, it's not gonna work. No company, it's not gonna work. You, though we, we know that kids are under the pressure, right, with the schedule of finishing first grade, finishing um, whatever goals you have on your IEP, all these things that they're looking for, getting to the reading level that everyone's supposed to be on at the end of third grade. That doesn't work for kids who are not autistic and it's not working for our kids. And what we're seeing is behaviors. We're seeing kids, um, more kids younger with anxiety and medications that um you know we really wouldn't want them to be on because they're so young but it's because and I you know I hate to keep bashing the school I'm an educator but I'm telling you the schools are dictating how parents parent what timeline parents have and all of these other things where kids go i always tell parents that when they say things like well if i use a visual schedule and i have routines then, you know, that's not going to be, you know, are they going to have to depend on that the rest of their life? Are they going to have to have routines? And I'm like, first of all, most of us have routines. If you go to work, you usually have a routine, you do this, you do this, you do this. Secondly, I always remember what you said in one of the talks that we had, where your child today is not going to be the adult, right? Your your child's going to grow and change. They're not going to stay five forever. The other part is, when we become of age, right, adult-ish, we have more autonomy of our schedule. So if you do better at night, then you take your classes at night when you go to college. If you do better at night, you get a job where you work at night. So it, it's a matter of Children don't have autonomy over their schedule. It's based on one of the biggest dilemmas. Most of my families have torn is about morning routine, morning schedule, morning routine. You know why you got to get to the bus. You got to get to the school before the bell rings. You got to get to the bus. You got to get to the school. Kids are melting down in the morning because of the rush, rush, rush. They're just not ready. Right? They're not ready. So now you're getting kids at school who are not ready, but because of the time constraint, because of the schedule that has been dictated, they can't function all day. Like it's just it's it. So nobody's really winning. <laughs> That's my my point is we're having these schedules and we're having these mandates, but no one's winning. Parents, I mean, schools, teachers are not able to get kids to to comply. My favorite word, um, kids are not able to perform and do their very best because. They started off on a schedule that doesn't work for them, uh, and the flip side of that is kids who are very rigid, like like eight o'clock we leave the house every day, right like eight ten the bus should be there, and then when the bus doesn't arrive, like all hell breaks loose, right and which is really interesting because you know little kids don't tell time do you have a uh do you remember having like a sense of time and knowing when it was time to do things even though you didn't know how to tell time when you were younger oh yes very much yes
0: Mm -hmm. but when you do the same thing every single day or five days a week you start getting a sense of when stuff's supposed to show up
1: yes but it is some kids it's to the point where like literally it's like how do they even know it's time like our schedule was different today and they know it's time to like get on the bus like it's just the time I guess they just it, says- well, it,
0: it's like how if you work a morning job where you have mm-hmm. to be up at 5 a.m., you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. on the weekends even if you don't want to. Your body just starts... Your body has an internal clock. Most That's people's really bodies true. have an internal clock. So if you set it for... When, like when I was a kid, I woke up even on the weekend when I woke up on the weekdays. Just mm-hmm. at my work morning shifts at, when I became an adult, I woke up early on weekends. I hated it. I think anyone who works morning shifts understands that annoyance. Like, I'm finally going to sleep in. And then you're up at 5am you're like, what the hell? Unless because, you're a morning person. Unless you're a morning person, exactly. Yes, yes. Which most people aren't. Most people are not morning people. That's or The morning older morning. I get, the more I realize that. But it's because you have a biological clock. Well, mm-hmm. no, you have an internal clock. Biological clock, something a little bit different. But you have an internal clock that can be set to mm-hmm. have you do things at certain times. Mm-hmm. Just like if you eat meals at the exact same time, yeah. you get hungry at yeah. the exact same time. Whether yes. you eat or not, it it's just how the body works. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I definitely had that because the bus generally comes around the same time. We wake up every day at the same time. We eat mm-hmm. breakfast every day at the same time. Yada 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 stuff like that. Yeah.
1: So, one of the things that I wanted to sort of share with the listeners, um, hopefully to help with their frustration, if they're. Yeah, because we're
0: really scaring the shit out of the parents right now.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. So, a lot of times when I come up with a sensory plan, right? Let's say that part of the sensory plan is when they get home from school, they get to go on the trampoline and they get to do water play. Well, parents may have a schedule of, you know, they may have, have everything in place, right? A visual schedule. They're gonna get ready to go to occupational therapy or pick up the other sister, um, sibling at soccer practice, whatever it's that they have to do. Sometimes the schedule may have 20 minutes of trampoline, but your child needs 45 minutes of trampoline. So that's where you and I were talking earlier before we started recording of you need to have routines in place but you also need to be prepared for flexibility just like we teach our kids flexibility right and that's another thing maybe we'll do a podcast on that teaching flexibility because oh yeah
0: we definitely need to yeah
1: a lot of times you know routines are great but that doesn't mean we don't teach our kids flexibility we just teach it in a way that's not going to um overwhelm them Uh, yeah
0: most people seem to think flexibility means like just and we'll get into this more another episode but means just the complete absence of a plan, which that's not what flexibility is. The absence of any sort of planning and just sort yeah. of pulling everything out of your ass. that That's not flexibility. That's just, I don't know what the hell that is, but that's yes. a, that's a topic for a different episode.
1: Yes. So what is your stance on the concept of having a routine? And then the routine has to change spontaneously, right? Uh, I don't know mom gets a call, has to go pick up the baby from daycare. And typically this is the time on the visual schedule where they go outside for water play. (laughs) So now we have a schedule because someone said we should have a schedule, but now we have to break that schedule, right? Because we have to go take care of parenting business um, or there's a fire drill at school. Uh, how, How did you... Do you remember having, or even now? I mean, I don't really like, you know, glitches in my schedule per se on certain things. But how do you feel um, in terms of when you do have a routine and it's interrupted? And every person's different, right? Some kids are fine. Um, some kids are like, whoa, they can't even move. Uh, what's your your perspective on that from your personal experience of routines being interrupted? Ooh, that's, that, that's a tough
0: one because I'm trying to remember how I was a kid. I don't like my routines interrupted, but I'm trying to remember if I was one of those kids that like melted down with the slightest interruption. Maybe I was. I honestly don't remember. I remember things like fire alarms. I remember not liking them, but I don't remember ever having like a meltdown over them. I don't think anyone likes fire alarms. They were actually an issue with college. Those were because they would go off at like two in the morning. Like at random times, anywhere, like literally, whatever time of day. In fact, we had, and this is a tangent. We had one dorm I was in for two semesters where the fire alarm would be so sensitive, mm-hmm. it would go off if you like used hairspray. Yeah. If you used like a, so it went off. I think at one point it went off like eighteen times in like three months. Definitely. At all times a day, it, it sucked. Um, but like I don't remember having meltdowns about that. Like I don't remember. Like, I remember not liking change in schedules, mm-hmm. but when you're at school, you just got to kind of deal with it. There's really nothing you can really do. Um, I went to special ed. So often, if there was a change, they would try to let you know ahead of time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they would let you know is, is, with as much advanced notice as possible. If there was, was going to be like an event, they would let you know like a week ahead of time usually, yeah. depending on where I went to school and depending on what the interruption was, if mm-hmm. possible. I feel like that's probably the only thing you can do, but it can go a long way, letting somebody know, okay, this is what you need to care for. This is gonna happen at this particular time. That really would help me. It still helps me. If I know there's gonna be a change, as long as I know what the change is gonna be and mm-hmm. when it's gonna happen, and it's not completely abrupt. As yeah. for completely abrupt changes, there's unfortunately not much you can do because by their very nature, you weren't even expecting them. If you were expecting them, Then it's your obligation to tell the autistic child they're going to happen. But if you weren't expecting it, like you get a call or something happens, then there's not much you can do because unless you can use precognition, which if you could, I suggest playing the lottery, there's not much you can do. You kind of just have to deal with the consequences.
1: But there is
0: something you can do (laughs) weed edibles.
1: You know, not weed edibles. That's hysterical. What I always think of is, you know, I'm always thinking proactively, right? So we have to think about those scenarios. So if we have a kiddo that does not transition well when the schedule is interrupted and we know that, then we need to have a plan for that. It's like having a fire drill, or if you are going out, you bring things just in case of an emergency, you wear your seatbelt. Maybe that's not a good example. However, um, for example, I will, I will share in my classroom when I had no parent educator and seven autistic kiddos um, who had all individual needs. When one kiddo went into a meltdown, um, it became overwhelmingly chaotic, right? Every, some kiddos are, are going into distress. Some kiddos are trying to calm the child. You know, it just becomes crazy um, in, this, in the, the classroom. So I had to come up with um, a drill for that, right? So I had, we worked on just like a fire drill. What do we do if such and such goes into meltdown? I gave everybody a spot to go to. They had a basket with things to do. And I teach this to parents as well, who have more than one child because the adult can't deal with supporting the child. I don't want to say deal. I hate the word deal with. They can't support their child. Who's in a meltdown mode. If other kids are coming in, right. Or going into distress. So if you have a kiddo that does not do well with spontaneous changes that do occur because life happens, then you should have a plan for that. So that plan can be schedule change basket or schedule change snack, right? That's when you bring out that hot fries or those sour gummies that your kid loves, because that's going to give them that sensory calming that they need to organize their system while they are dealing with this change. But if you know you have a kiddo that struggles with abrupt changes to the point where they go into meltdown mode and then you can't even go pick up the sibling, right, from, from um, daycare, then you have a plan. You just have a plan. You have a plan. Just like when you have babies, you bring everything but the kitchen sink with you when you go to visit somebody because <laughs> you never know. And this plan day. will almost
0: certainly basically boil down to just give the kid the tablet and hope he shuts up. I'm I'm just giving you a heads up. That's probably what it's going to boil down to.
1: If the tablet works, that's great. Then that's where your plan is.
0: Make sure the tablet has power in it. Because that that tablet's going to save. I'm sure
1: most parents already know this. That tablet's going to save your ass. Yes, save your tablet time. Um, But sometimes the tablet doesn't even work. Sometimes kids are really, really. uh, You know, I also suggest that when you have a visual schedule. So if it says on there, you can actually communicate change on the visual schedule. So if something changes, you can say, and I know the listeners can't see my hand gestures, but let's say that you had going to the park and then it starts to rain. You can't go to the park. So you say, oh, no park. So we take it off the schedule and we put another activity instead. Even though they still want to go to the park, they are able to process it because you're visually communicating to them the change and then they'll be able to make the adjustment. I will share what um, I do as an adult, because I'd love to do what you do. I'd love to know what you do as an adult. Um, I struggle with changes of some sort, um, but I communicate that. So for example, when I am in the workplace where there are teams of people I'm working with, I do not transition well if they say, oh, we're gonna have a meeting in five minutes because the meeting was not on my schedule. Now I had a list of things I wanted to complete. So when you come in and say, oh, we need to have a meeting, we're gonna have a meeting. I'm just like, okay, I'm immediately irritated because now that means everything on my list is not going to get done, right? I had a plan for my work task and I've already struggled with getting things completed. So I would communicate to them, I need five minutes, five to 10 minutes, and then I'll join the meeting. I needed time to transition myself from the irritation of knowing I'm not gonna finish my to-do list so that I could go into the meeting without an attitude. Because if I just went in with the frustration, I was not going to be a productive team member, right? That was something that worked for me because I just don't do well when that happens. What are, what is your, um, what are your strategies? Because uh, I know I make a lot of changes. I'm always like, Torrin, I'm <laughs> gonna change the time. Torin, can we do it another day? Does that frustrate you when I, I mean, how do you deal with your, your changes? Cause we do a lot of shifting.
0: That's such a broad question. really? Yeah, because there are different types of changes. So Ooh. there's changes like, for example, if we often never record when we say we're gonna record cause one of us is late. That's easy cause you could just block a larger period of oh, time yeah. out yeah. Yeah. because I know there's, it's not really a change. Because, we build it into
1: our yeah. yeah. So it's
0: it's one thing if a change is always happening, it's mm-hmm. not really a change.
1: Yeah, that's, because, true. that's true. So
0: we're I mean we almost never actually record when we say we're going to record. So therefore, it's not a change. It's expected. It's expected. There's going to be movement. So I block a large amount of time out for when we're yes. going to record. Uh, like today, for example, we were supposed to have a guest. Uh, <clears throat> it didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. We're we're, we're going to get him back on soon at a later date, but I wanted to record anyway because mm-hmm. I had it planned that I was going to record this afternoon. Yes. So that's a change where I could have just not record it. But then I basically wouldn't have been able to function. I would have just been like watching YouTube videos and listening to like baseball on the radio mm-hmm. instead of being productive. I wasn't going to be able to shift to, okay, I'll go do this, I'll go work on this, because yeah. I had it set, we will go into podcast. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do in terms of podcasting, to answer your question at a local level is, mm-hmm. if you notice, I'm very insistent on if we're post podcast this day, mm-hmm. we're podcasting. Yes. We are podcasting unless it's absolutely impossible, because mm-hmm. not podcasting at all is a big enough change that it throws my whole day out of whack, or yeah. at least that part of the day, because then I usually have something planned for later. So I basically can't function until later comes, and I get back on schedule. Mm-hmm. So... Part of how I deal with changes, I don't. I just have to basically eat shit <laughs> and just struggle until I can get back on my normal schedule. Mm-hmm. Other things I do is try to predict changes. Ah. So if, for example, I'm supposed to hang out with someone, I know this person has a tendency to bail, or if they haven't gotten back to us. Like, let's say to use podcasts as an example again, we we've had this happen a couple of times. We've had guests where They've been scheduled to come on on a certain day and I'll send them the Zoom link and I'll say, well, we look forward to seeing you like tomorrow or in two days. And they don't respond. Mm-hmm. I have a topic in mind for an episode we can do together because I have a feeling they're going to bail. Oh. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But that's why I always have a topic ready because mm-hmm. I'm predicting ahead of time. This person hasn't gotten back to me. Usually this means two hours before we're supposed to record. We get especially with some of our autistic guests, we get a we get a uh uh email. I'm having a nervous breakdown, I can't record. Yeah. Which it may least a little bit annoying because like you couldn't let <laughs> us know with a bit more than an hour or so of, 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 of uh notice, but I already am prepared for that. Yeah. So there's a lot of predicting that goes into it mm-hmm. as well. And when it comes to plans that involve other people, let's say Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to hang out with someone or I'm supposed to meet somebody, I generally have two plans that are relatively (laughs) similar. So let's, for example, let's say I'm meeting a friend of mine in the city, in New York City. And I'm meeting him in the city. We're going to go do some writing at a place that we refer to as the pit of despair. (laughs) But I also have a separate plan. I'm going to head to Barnes & Nobles if he bails. Ah, At gotcha. the same time I was supposed to meet him. That mm-hmm. way I, I'm leaving the house around the same time mm-hmm. and I'm leaving Barnes and Nobles around the same time I leave whenever I'm done with him. So I can get back around the same time. They're both in the city so mm-hmm. the travel is similar. It might not be as long or it might be longer but the travel itself is relatively similar. I try to make a mirror plan mm-hmm. so my whole schedule doesn't just get dynamite.
1: I love that. I absolutely love
0: that. Now, obviously, there's some things you just can't
1: plan for. Like, shit happens. You just
0: can't. And that sucks. That's just a matter of just not being able to function for a certain amount of time until I can get back on my schedule. Sometimes I'm able to adapt. Usually I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's... The, the, that's a long winded answer to your question. I kind of don't deal with change well. I just try to predict where there's going to be variability, mm-hmm. and when you're almost thirty one years old, you get really good at predicting yeah. especially if you do if you've seen enough situations that you can kind of tell when something's about to go belly up. yeah, you can tell if something's going to change or something has a tendency to change or someone yeah. has a tendency to change things, yeah, yeah. and adapt accordingly but in my opinion then that's not adapting to change that's just planning something out with some variability and it. it's not really changing it's not
1: no, adapting but, to
0: change really
1: well you it but it is adapting to change because you are being proactive about a backup plan which is that's like part of adapting to it because you can't change the change <laughs> you can't change the change you can't you can't always like you said it happens it happens So it's how do you respond to it? Well, if you're proactively having a backup plan, then that is adapting, like literally, it's just a brilliant way to adapt. Um, I like the mirroring, the schedule in terms of, so your route and your routine, because I know that's something that you have to work out in terms of riding the subway. Um, when When I think of, you know, the schedule and the routines and autism doesn't run on a schedule I think of, you know, it doesn't run on a schedule of, yes, we can predict how much time they need to get sensory regulated, or yes, we can predict when they are going to meet a goal. But even in terms of autism does not run on a schedule when it comes to skill set. And that, I think, is probably the, the one part of our kids not being able to run on the schedule that the neurotypical world has made for them, that gets in the way um, and causes a lot of disruption, whether it's disruption at home because the parents are stressed, they're not meeting their goals, or whether it's the teachers feeling the pressure of the kids not being where they're supposed to be. Even though we know, and we have research that shows you're gonna have those scattered skills. There's someone who, in the in that book, um, Sincerely, Your Autistic Child, there's a way that they word it that's just brilliant. Um, so it's always puzzling to me how we know, but we don't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, that's because we're just used to it. We're used to it. Like example I like to use is, when I'm in the gym um, training, mm-hmm. most training modalities Involve a sort of progression. So you get stronger over time by adding mm-hmm. a little bit of weight each time or each week.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: over time, you build up until you're strong, you get really strong. The problem is, it assumes that you're generally going to be a little bit stronger each session or each week or whatever the progression scale is. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the spectrum, that's not the case. It's not just a mental thing. For me, it's a physical thing. When yeah. I'm really like burnt out or if I've had a meltdown, Mm-hmm. or if I'm just really disassociated, yeah. I can't get my body to quite act the way I need to. I can mm-hmm. walk and feed myself and stuff, but putting a 400-pound barbell on my back and squatting it multiple times, that yeah. involves a, a level of neuromuscular efficiency that just like isn't there sometimes. Mm-hmm. So even if the, if the plan says, I'm supposed to squat 405 for a triple today because I squatted 400 for a triple last week, but I'm really disassociated or I'm really burnt out, 405 for a triple ain't going to happen. It's going to be like Ah. 365 for a triple, and that's just going to have to be. And then next week, I'll hit the 405, which means Mm -hmm. I take longer to get where I'm supposed to be, because for most people, they can just linear progress. But It's something I'm learning to be more accepting of myself is Mm -hmm. not to plan things in a strictly linear fashion, because that's just not how my mind works. As frustrating as that is, because that means things take longer.
1: Yes, it does. But it's okay, because you come out on the other side without having the baggage of mental distress, which is what happens with a lot of folks. What I wanted to kind of bring up um, in terms of you talking about the um, autistic burnout, this is something I've been really, really trying to learn more about and help parents understand in terms of, let's just say that the schedule of school is spring break is March 18th. Well, a kiddo may be burnt out February 27th, right? So it's like they're not on a schedule to have a break. When the school says it's a break time, they need a break now or they're going to like crash and not be able to function because that's why they're calling me <laughs> the school's calling them. Um, do you think schools should be accommodating for that? Of course they should be. That's, that's kind of not really a question
0: because of course like you're an a-hole if you say they shouldn't be. Of course they should be. Now, whether they have the resources to do so is another topic altogether. Mm -hmm. But yes, in a perfect world, they should be.
1: Yes, they should. And it's one of the things that I'm talking more about for parents to advocate for in terms of my child is autistic and they're not going to always be able to follow your schedule of meeting the goals that you have. So we've got to figure that out, and we've got to, um, to work that out. There are some of my families with younger kids, they actually have break days built into their IEP. And they have so many days that their kids can have a break, and there's ways that they've worked it out. They could so get that- break days? I, like, I should have done that. I should have yeah, been like, oh, yeah, I
0: totally need breaks. Yeah, that's. in fact, I need a break once a week. Can I only go to school four days a week? Yep. That'd be awesome. Yep, yep. Like, yep. no one told me about that. I
1: feel ripped off. Well, it's a new thing.
0: <laughs> I forgot sensory sports
1: only got invented two years ago. My mistake. <laughs> yes, only invented two years ago. I, I want to, to read this little part from, um, there's a section of this book called Sincerely Your Autistic Child that I like to read to parents for context and it helps to shift their narr- narrative. But there's a section that relates to what we're talking about in terms of the schedule, right? Um, and so this person has, uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, and this is an autistic adult speaking about uh, what they'd like for you to know or wish you would have known when they were a child. It says, I need to learn and grow at my own pace. I know you've heard this before, but uneven skill sets, that's the term I couldn't remember. Uneven skill sets are a real thing. The linear timeline of what is learned when it is, is a guideline, not a fact. Don't waste your energy over what I can't do. And don't let that hold me back from fully exploring what I can do. And I think that is a really, really significant thing, especially for parents in terms of getting caught up in the school schedule, the therapist schedule of what needs to be done and accomplished within this time limit. And... What about the things they can do that they've done? What about the things they can do that are ahead of schedule, right? A lot of our kids do things ahead of schedule, but nobody chalks that up to look what they did. What do you think, Torin? I agree with the passage, but this goes back
0: to what I've been struggling with over the last couple of days leading into mm-hmm. this topic of the world works a certain way and it's mm-hmm. not going to change overnight. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know, like I said, how to reconcile that. Because, for example, growing up where I grew up, which I talk about a lot, I know. Growing up where I grew up, you have schools which are underfunded because when you grow up in the projects, no one funds your schools and no one's going to fund those schools anytime soon. Not Not, not in our current political environment, unfortunately. You have underfunded schools. You have your one chance of getting off the block is to join the military or go to college. Well, join the military is out because the harsh sensory environment isn't going to work for some autistic kids like me. So for me, it was going to college. Well, you have a certain amount of financial aid and they pay for a certain amount of time. So you got four years, my dude. That's all you got. you got four years. Figure it out in four years. And you need to go to college because we've seen the stats. If you don't go to school, the people who don't have a college degree versus people that do the amount of lifetime wages, it's changing, but it's very, very slow. When, you're, when you grow up in the lower classes, that's your ticket out. It's either that, either join the military, go to college, or you better be able to rap or play basketball. Those, those are your options where you come from where I come from, and I'm dead serious about that. Or have
1: really good social media content.
0: Or have, oh, That's a new one. Have really good social media yes. content. Or that's be me. a tech genius. That'll help, too. Or yes. be a tech genius. So if you don't fit in those categories, which I did a lot of people don't, you're on the clock. Because mm-hmm. if you don't make it to college in four years, if you don't if you don't pass standardized tests you're not getting advanced in the grades, yes. which means yeah. it'll be, you'll graduate later. If You don't make the college in four years. Through four years, you lose financial aid. You don't get to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not uh, if you if you don't get somewhere by a certain age, certain jobs won't look at you. Yada yada yada. Next thing you know, you're fifty years old and you're constantly behind. You're never yeah. able to catch up. This isn't a problem for more middle class and upper class peers. That's mm-hmm. why whenever I hear I know this is wrong, whenever I hear like, I have all the, you have all the time in the world, develop your own play, pace, like I can hear just like, "Your parents got to go to vacation in Hawaii. If you weren't on the spectrum, you could travel. you would have got to go to vacation in Hawaii. Yeah. I use Hawaii as example, because famously, I have to work a full-time job during the summers in a very it more effectively was prison work, mm-hmm. working in like a, a, a hot box. Mm-mm. While my friends got to go to vacation in Hawaii. Ah. Like, so I, that's why I use that as an example. When you don't come from those backgrounds, mm-hmm. you, you are on the clock. And mm-hmm. I don't know how, and part and of me feels bad putting the message that you're not because that's just a lie, unfortunately. The reality is you are. If you come from certain backgrounds, you are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's not a good situation. And I don't know how to, I, I don't know what to do for those people. Yeah. I don't want to say, well, I guess you're just screwed then. Because I don't like that. That doesn't sit well with me. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want to just say you're not on the clock. Because yeah. it's, un- it's objectively untrue. Exactly. You're, you're always, you, when you come from lower class backgrounds, you understand how precarious your situation mm-hmm. is. You understand you're one or two really bad life events away from being right back on the block. Yeah. So you are on the clock, you feel it, whether you want to or not, you feel that clock ticking, that pressure ticking always, you grow up with it. And this is not just autistic students, anyone who comes from the hood, anyone who comes from the holler, anyone who comes from a lower class
1: background, that ticking clock,
0: you Mm -hmm. always hear it, it never
1: goes away. Well, hopefully, our listeners are are talking to other folks and, and getting other folks to listen, because if we start shifting the narrative, eventually, Um, things will be not as scheduled and expectations won't be so rigid. But I want to bring up another scheduling thing that parents have, which is some people culturally um, or uh, just because of their family upbringing, which I guess is cultural as well, have schedules for when kids move out of the house or when kids need to get married and have kids and that is very difficult for i work with you know some some young adults now and um, the parents are antsy because they expected to have an empty nest that they wanted and they're not having it because their child needs to go home i mean to stay home and go to college from home or work and or maybe they just needed uh, a year before um, they can start college it just depends so what are your thoughts from uh I know you wanted to get out?
0: <laughs> yeah, I got the hell out the for, the minute I graduated high school, I was gone. I was th- I, I moved so fast there was an afternoons behind me. I
1: know, I know. What would <laughs> what would you what would you say to parents who can um, you know, sort of, of have a setting, home setting that is nurturing somewhat, I guess, as or nurturing as possible. But what would you say to help parents understand that they need to give their autistic young adult a little grace around the expectations of when they're supposed to meet those adult guidelines of, on schedule?
0: Okay, this is gonna come out a little bit blunt, so I apologize. Um, your no, child ha- apologize. Your child has a disability, Mm -hmm. So you have to take the schedule and throw it out the window. Like, I don't know. You understand a child's disability and you've understood that for like, I don't know, 18 years whenever Your culture believes a child should should get food. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why you think they suddenly stop having those struggles once they turn 18 or whatever the age of adulthood is and whatever culture. It's usually around 16 or 18. Like I said, I have a friend who his father was upset because he, because in his culture, he was Guatemalan. When you turn 18, you're a man, so you're not supposed to receive help from your parents anymore, which is why my friend was being forced to move a mattress down two flights of stairs by himself while the rest of his family sort of just stood around and watched him do it. Yep. That's a sad thing. They were available to help. They sort of stood there because it's like a cultural thing. Yes. I don't want to say it's stupid because it's not stupid. Cultural stuff matters. Yes, but you also you can't let that get in the way of reality because mm-hmm. the reality is the reality. Your child mm-hmm. might move a little bit slower. And the second thing I want to say: someone who's born and raised in New York City, most of my friends are in their late twenties, early thirties. Most of them still live with their parents, not because they're lazy. Some of them have quite lucrative jobs. I have no one friend who just recently, like as of like six months ago, moved out because he got a promotion. Mm-hmm. But before the promotion, he'd been making like a hundred and fifty a year, well 150K a year mm-hmm. for like five or six years. And he still lived with his parents in large part because in New York City and large yeah. cities, rent mm-hmm. is so expensive. Yeah. Like I the joke I said, the joke I believe I made on the podcast is it costs th- it cost uh three thousand a month for a cardboard box in a subway station.
1: Yeah. The cost of living's gotten really high, but, you know. I mean, I which is a real
0: thing. It sounds like I'm being political. but no, an it's a real thing. thing. Yes. So what what it takes to be able to move out and be somewhat self supportive is much harder now than it was, say, 30 years ago.
1: Yes, it is. So I think you gave the best answer ever, which is remember, your child has a disability yes they passed um high school with honors okay fine they still have a disability right because a lot of people think that oh they did well in school they should be able to do just fine it's like do you know what they had to do to get there do you know how much masking and how many autism burnouts they had to push on through? top
0: of that our education system is not paying for life skills that that means nothing it, I, I shouldn't say it means nothing. It, it, it means No, it something, doesn't. But, it
1: doesn't anymore.
0: But exactly. It, 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 they don't, and not just college, they don't teach you life skills. And a second stat I'd like to throw out is that 95% of new jobs created since 2005 are either gig, temp, or contract, mm-hmm. meaning they're not full time stable jobs. So yes. find that there's less jobs that have any sort of secure, security, which means it's not only harder to find a job for a young person. Mm -hmm. But for an autistic young person might need more supports, they're less employable. Yeah. I hate to say it that way, but it's true because you have all these people looking for jobs there's less jobs. The jobs don't have as much security, which means you can sort of just go through applicants Mm -hmm. like tissues. So if someone says, oh, I I need to be told the interview questions ahead of time, I need I need a sensory room in case I melt down. Well, it's choice between them and the candidate that doesn't need that stuff, or at least will tell you they need that stuff and will deal without the supports Mm -hmm. and can deal without supports. They're going to go with the second candidate. So those are all factors too to have to take into Mm -hmm. consideration
1: on why it's harder to move out. Can't move out if you don't got money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. So I think that this has been... I know it's been kind of a broad discussion, but I'm hoping that the listeners have just, I hope they've received some little nuggets so that they can think about, yes, we need to have routines, but we need to be prepared for change. We also need to understand that we can't always hold an autistic child, teen, adult to the schedule, even though... They might've ran that schedule for three weeks in a row. And it's really hard for, I mean, when I say this, I'm saying like, sometimes if I meet, you know, I meet with my clients once a week and i meet with the family. I'm like, oh, how was last week? You know, if you have something, um, any new challenges or what successes do you have to share? And it's amazing how, um, uh, you know, a parent will, and I understand why, but they will say, oh my gosh, you know, this, this week you know, um, he bit a kid at, you know, at daycare. I'm like, okay, did he bite several children? Is this the first time they've bitten? Yeah, it's the first time they've bitten. Okay, well, it's not anything we need to do anything about. So he bit some kid, unless he's biting kids all day, every day, we don't really need to intervene, right? It's It happened and it's not a big deal. So thinking in terms of when kids are doing something on their own on a schedule, and then they throw a loop in it right, by biting another kid, and they've never done that before, That's just life. That's just kids. That's just things that happen. Everything is not going to be on the same schedule, even if that schedule has been running consistently and flawlessly for three weeks, four weeks, six months. Sometimes it happens. Is that that the phrase that we use? Yeah. And then you also
0: have to remember, and we talked about this on the last episode, I was going to say a previous episode, the last episode we recorded, I have no idea what order these are coming out at at this point. Um, but we did talk about spoon theory. I'm not going to go into it here. But mm-hmm. the idea that people on the spectrum, people who are neurodivergent, we, we can only function at like a high level, what you'd consider a high level for brief periods of time before we crash. It's the main reason that Improvement is undulating; it goes mm-hmm. up and down because we rise, we do the best we can, then we crash, then we build up again, then we crash. That's just kind of how a lot of us function. Mm-hmm. So, what looks like we're on a schedule for three weeks is that rising, and then the crash. Yeah. So, what I would also suggest is when you look at progress, and this is hard sometimes, you have to look at the wider view. You can't look at things in terms of days, weeks, or even months. You have to look at things in terms of years, which is harder. It's harder to zoom out when you're in the moment, but have are they improved this year overall Mm. compared to last year compared to two years ago? That's what you have to look at because month to month, things can vary. Week to week, things can vary, vary. And of course, day to day, things are, everything's going to vary. They're not, that's probably uh, not a good thing. So you can't really see the growth unless you take a step back. And my best suggestion is just be okay with that. And if anything, plan for that you know what's going to happen you pay enough attention to start noticing that these crests they're not random because oftentimes with neurodivergent and autistic individuals they're not random these up and downs they're kind of predictive at a certain point you can understand oh they're gonna you can kind of see when they're gonna crash you can get an idea it's like okay under these circumstances they usually last for x amount of time you got to get really analytical. Maybe there's the autism in me that has me being so analytical, but you kind of have to. <laughs> you can start predicting this stuff. There mm-hmm. are apps where you can track graphs, things like that. Just like you track your weight, for example. Yeah. And you would your, weigh yourself. You're trying to lose weight, weigh yourself every day or every week. And then you put it on a graph and you can see the line trending up or down and get an idea. Because it's hard to tell in the moment. Same mm-hmm. thing with your kid that you can look at the progression and you kind of tell where the peaks and valleys are going to be once you paid attention and then start planning around those peaks and valleys. Yeah. Yeah. Don't plan, if you're planning a vacation and let's say it's not like Hawaii or something, it's like a short term, like, oh, we're going to grandma's house. It's like 20 miles away. We're going to go next week. And you know your kid is sort of at that peak. You're like a crash is going to come. soon. I probably shouldn't plan this big trip next yeah. week because there's a good chance he's going to crash right when this trip starts and everything's going to suck yeah so be a little proactive because a lot of this you can plan around mm-hmm. it yeah. takes some it takes some work and takes some getting used to and takes some learning but once you learn it you start seeing the patterns and once you start seeing the patterns and humans inherently are good at pattern recognition so this isn't some like supercomputer advanced autism stuff because I'm really not one of those autistics I'm not that smart but you start you start understanding how your kid functions you can start planning around and then mm-hmm. autism kind of does start to run on a schedule at a certain point
1: I like the way you just said that I can always predict when I'm going to get calls about behaviors there's certain times of the year the school year that kids just start crashing and I'm like oh that's because they're just burnt out and they need school to be over right now. So it happens. All right. Any last words, Torin? No,
0: I, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, Stacy, that's why we're working to
1: shift the narrative on everything autism. And don't forget to share um, the podcast. We can't shift the narrative unless we get others to listen that need their narrative shifted. Yeah,
0: it, it, it engage with it for the algorithm. We, the, the the algorithm doesn't like us very much, so we're trying to get back in the mighty algorithm's good graces. So I, I I might have slept with the algorithm's wife, so now the algorithm's mad at me. So help ooh, us out, ooh. help your boy out. <laughs> Thank you, Torin. See ya.